0: The Pink Smoke podcast. It's September, which for us is sort of uh, a regenerating time of the year when fall's coming, the weather is nice, the footballs are flying. And for us, the three of us on this podcast today, the Toronto Film Festival, the International Film Festival up in Toronto. Myself, Marcus Pinn, a girl from Pinland Empire, third mic of the Pink Smoke. Marcus, how you doing?
1: Great, excited, happy about Toronto.
0: Very excited. And of course, my uh, Pink Smoke co founder, Mr. Chris Funderberg.
2: Hi, John. How's it going?
0: It's going well, sir. How are you?
2: I'm doing okay. Are you Uh, also excited? I am excited. Uh, You know, this is our uh, first annual. Toronto International Film Festival preview and an annual tradition dating back to 2005, you and I, John, have been heading up every September to the Queen City for the massive Toronto International Film Festival where we see over 40 movies in the span of a week, write about our experiences for the site, eat street vendor hot dogs, and watch our beloved Philadelphia Eagles as the NFL opening kickoff weekend always coincides with diff This year, as we have been since 2012, I believe, uh, no, 2011, we're Yeah, we're going to be joined again by Marcus Penn of Penland Empire and Zebras in America. So what we are going to do with this preview today is structure it like we did with our written previews, where we're each going to go through three of our must-see films for the festival, two wild cards that may be great or may be terrible uh, uh, that are the wild cards. I don't need to over-explain that. And then one film to avoid at all costs. And so I see no reason not to dive directly into that. Do either of you? No, not
0: at all. Absolutely. Let's do it. I mean, obviously, we don't have enough time on this podcast to – tell every single one of the hundreds of movies that will be up there but for anyone who doesn't know the toronto film festival they come from countries across the world they you know, are some of them are so obscure you'll probably never see them anywhere else in the states <laughs> some of them are probably coming you know our major releases that'll be out in a week uh but you just get that blend and it's just a great smorgasbord. some of
2: them are so canadian it's literally illegal to export them You can only watch them in Canada. So Canadian are some of these films.
0: There are some super Canadian movies. Um, So obviously we don't have time to go through everything, but the ones we are excited about. Chris, let me ask you, what is your first must-see title of the 2018 Toronto Film Festival?
2: Well, you know, we discussed this uh, when we do this list. We sort of coordinated our lists a little bit. I think my number one must-see film for the festival is maybe the number one must-see film in the festival for both of you guys as well, but it's the first on my list because we didn't want to repeat titles. And that's Claire Denis' new film, High Life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys are both interested in that. I take it. Absolutely.
1: You know, it's, Denis, of
2: course. <laughs> um, she's obviously uh, one of my five favorite living filmmakers. She might be number one at any given moment. She's, Uh, clearly one of the greatest directors in the world. She's been on a basically unbroken hot streak since the late 90s, where everything she does is brilliant, with, you know, one notable exception. (laughs) But I'm really excited to see this. Part of the funny thing, though, about, you know, uh, doing this list is, I literally don't want to know anything about this movie. I feel like that I know that it's science fiction, and it has the um, Twilight guy in it, like I already know too much. Like I've seen a still of him in a spacesuit, And it's like, no one say anything else to me about this movie. I would like to go in with as much of a blank slate as as possible for getting into this film. And uh, that's actually one of the things I enjoy about doing TIFF is that there's a lot of movies there that like, uh, because I don't, pay attention to things that are in pre-production or things that aren't coming out. And it's easy to avoid knowing anything about these films. There's a lot of films in this festival that I can go into basically blind, even though they're by big directors that I, big directors, you know, huge directors like Claire Denis, these world shattering titans of commercial cinema like Claire Denis, that I can somehow avoid knowing anything about her new film. But it is nice to go in sort of blind and just uh, bring nothing to these movies other than my interest in them. And I would say this is one that, for whatever reason, I particularly tried to cultivate knowing nothing about as I go into it.
0: Same here, I've tried to avoid anything about it and I have basically the same amount of knowledge as you do. Um, And I think, you know, too, it's the kind of thing where you hear Denise doing a space movie with Robert Pattinson and your brain says, we'll see we'll yeah. see you know i mean if it seemed like a slam dunk that she was gonna uh unite with Juliet binoche which is the film you're referring to uh, her last one let the sunshine in which i think we felt kind of eh, about um this yeah. one obviously is a lot risky i felt
2: more than eh, but it's yeah pretty, it's a fine uh, line
0: i feel if i see it again i'll like it more but i don't yeah. know we'll see but um so so that give it that seemed like a given You know this one is definitely a lot lot sketchier so I kind of want to just go in completely cold and just let it do its thing and and not worry about what it's gonna be and just let the knee work her magic. Uh, Marcus do you know anything more about the movie?
1: I know a lot more I don't wanna I'm so let me just say I'm the opposite of Chris when it comes to not just Claire Denis but any movie I anticipate especially with Tiff. I'm the guy who I don't search for, well, sometimes I do search for spoilers on like big movies, but Tiff, like immediately I'm searching for pictures, images, interviews, like synopsis, all, all that stuff. So I know quite a bit uh, about High Life just because it's been in the works for a little while, for a second. It was supposed to come out last year. So it's actually been kind of done for a while, but the cast, I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to remember for Chris, but it's there's a couple of more like, just like how you guys said, we'll see there it, Robert Pattinson is hardly the uh he he's he's low on the list of like oh they're in this, like so i'll so, just say that.
2: so is it Billing Vol or Jeff Foxworthy that's also in it
1: uh, no, no, but it's uh. See now you're making me want to say some of the other cast people. Um. This
2: is the only film we'll do this on too. I uh, I should oh, mention good, good, too, that good, this is good. that this is not this is literally the only one where I was like you know what I want to completely preserve uh, uh, some uh, total blindness on course, literally everything else that we have on our lists. Uh, I know about and have plenty to say about. So, yeah. Uh, except for the regattas I didn't read anything out. But I'm fine. Oh, I got some
1: stuff. About. I got some stuff on that.
2: Yeah, I'm completely fine with spoilers. I don't want everyone to be listening and say, "What the fuck is this podcast going to be?"
1: Well, They're keep in mind like,
2: Don't spoil it for me, dude.
1: Well, we don't. I don't think outside of like people who just avoid trailers. There's nothing we're going to say that's spoiler because we actually haven't seen any of the movies. So it's yeah. like everything we say is, is are things that I've found on, on the internet with the exception yeah. of one movie that was stuff that was like told to me. But other than that, like, yeah. So it's okay. We haven't seen any of the, for the listeners. We haven't obviously seen any of these movies, so we can't yeah. really traditionally spoil anything. So,
2: okay. So well, let I me feel, ask you you I'm, I
1: be wrong about this. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I was going to ask you, I was going to, we have a lot to go through. So I was going <laughs> to ask you what the first well, one just say- is. But-
0: Well, okay, I'll go into that. I'll I'll say first, though, that it might just be, you know, uh, a misconception on my part, but having been going to the festival now for, uh, you know, over 10 years, you know, almost uh, 13 years, it's... uh, it seems like at the beginning there really was not a lot that you could find out about these films that there was a lot of secrecy. But I think since so many of those films have come out and like flown to the Oscars like Slumdog Millionaire or The King's Speech or whatever. Or Moonlight
2: last year.
0: Moonlight, of course, huge. Um, I think like a lot more studios and a lot more of the um, filmmakers are trying to get trailers out for these films and really make people know more about these films seems like this year especially there are a lot more previews that you can watch there's a whole website dedicated just to yeah. previews for the films that are going to be showing there so I think that they want you to know more about these films but yeah. I, I feel the same way I and even more about the other films i'm going to be talking about that i have kind of kept myself in the dark because i just want them to wash over me as they play and i want to be surprised and the first one of those for me is uh the palm door winner from can this year shoplifters
2: i'm so uh, excited
0: that that by itself would not excite me usually because you know the palm door is a you know hair and miss sort of thing but of course it's the new film um by Coriata, who we love uh possibly the greatest film worker filmmaker working in Japan right now, you know, I mean, he is yeah. just been firing on all cylinders for the last decade. Um, and especially since he has such a great uh, history at the festival for me, because I remember going to see still walking in 2008, I think. Um, at that point I was a little cold on him. i had seen, you know, um, Ma- um, Maparoshi and afterlife. And I thought the films were, were well made, but I wasn't really won over by them. And I thought they were a little bit overrated. Based on what people were saying about them, I like nobody knows a lot, but still walking blew me away. You know, I thought that just was a phenomenal film. So funny and so smart and just, like, a great, great surprise. And since then, uh, we've seen several of the films. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking as well. I
1: was going to say, I was sold on him. The moment in Still Walking where this, well, he's an adult now, but the guy who was saved as a kid from, you know, the drowning, comes to visit the family. Like, that whole scene right there was just, like, and just after he leaves, when the father, like, I mean, he's already, he already has an attitude, rightfully so, when he's visiting. But right after he leaves, he's like, oh, so pretentious. like he's you know,
2: Yeah, no, that, that scene that made that me sit up in my seat. That was like this guy, you know? And I had the same yeah. reaction as you, John, where I thought Nobody Knows was great. And the rest of his films were like, you know, hit and miss, very hit and miss. And that was the one that really felt like it kicked off a really great run for him it did
0: since then i mean at the festival we've seen i wish we've seen uh, after the storm i mean there's have just been one after another of just great yeah. films from him uh and of course like father like son is just a phenomenal film
2: yeah and uh, our little sister he's been just been yeah. so, so good oh
0: they've all been great um and of course you know now that he's won the palm d'Or, like he's going to go on to do a french film with denuve and Benoist next and everybody's favorite person right now ethan hawk yeah. uh so it's like this might be the film where we lo- we lose and we want to hold on to that like essential creative yeah. for as long as we can before he, before goes, he
2: goes to, to make work his work my blueberry members. nights yeah exactly yeah oh, no. uh, so
0: for that reason <laughs> uh i'm gonna i am going i i am excited for shoplifters and i can't imagine it he's got another one this year too that came out that i haven't seen yet have you seen it uh Thunderbird?
2: no i haven't That's the other thing I would say about TIFF is that I'm excited to go to TIFF. I didn't go last year. I see so many movies at TIFF. Like, this is where I get the chance to see the big films that I'm really interested in. Like, every movie that matters to me is basically here. You know, for the coming year, and so if I don't see uh, his last one, the third murder, when it's at Tiff last year, it's like, when is it even going to come to New York or in the United States? When am I even going to get to see it? You know? Yeah. And yeah. so it feels great to get up there. That's you know, like you shoplifters is that. At the top of my list.
0: Yeah, there's there's certain filmmakers when they have a new film out, you just you just cross your fingers and hope it's gonna be a tiff and and he's one of them for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just it's synonymous now with the festival. Uh Marcus, what do you got for your first one?
1: Uh first up is uh Our Time, which is the new Carlos regattas which came as a total shock to me. I had no idea he was coming out with anything new until I saw the list. Uh, oh wow, really? Yeah, I had I really had no idea.
2: And you would be like the number one guy who would know if he was coming.
1: No, out. seriously, I was like, oh, I guess I'm I'm slipping up a little bit. But it's like, not to get. I mean, what again? The plot's online, but I'll 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 be even vague about the plot. I'll just say that it's the premise of the film sounds like a literal like sequel offshoot to like one specific aspect within post-
2: but you don't have to be vague. I think oh, sure. well, to it's, it's a
1: it's a movie about an op- open relationship, and it stars Carlos Rodriguez and his actual wife and his actual kids, who are also in Post Nervous Lux.
2: Yeah, who are so amazing.
1: And it has this Famous like this whole movie like Oh, what?
2: No, just that his kids oh. are so amazingly memorable in Post Nervous Lux too. Absolutely. they're like some of the best stuff about it. They're like I, the best his objects. Yeah. yeah,
1: and like um. I had, an, I had one of my all time greatest movie watching, movie going experiences was at TIFF in 2012 when I saw Post and Ever Slucks, um, which became one of my all time favorite movies. And it's like, I, I'll go on record, I'm not expecting Post and Ever I'm never expecting a classic or a whatever anytime I see a movie. So it's that much more. It's, not, it's, it's a lot better when something ends up being amazing to me. But um, yeah, Carlos Goddess is one of my favorites. Um, Can I ask you a quick question
2: about the movie? Yeah. All I know about it is that it's really long, that it's three hours long. Do you know if this is, is this the first time it's being shown? Do you know if this is like going to be the finished cut or if he's showing something that may eventually be edited down and this is like your only chance to see the three hour version?
1: That's a that that I don't know. That's a good question. Wait, is it real? Oh shit! Oh yeah, it is long. Oh, I have I I again I didn't even pay attention to. It. Yeah, it's almost three hours long. Oh, uh no, I don't know. I I, I don't know.
0: Regardless, so it's such an incredible filmmaker, Marcus. Just some of the scenes from Post Nibiru, Lux that you have been putting up on social media. Just the shots, you know. I just look at them in awe. Like how does a film look like this? You know, how does he get these gorgeous shots and these I mean, just not even just gorgeous, but just visions that visuals that you just don't see in films regularly. That just just energize you, you know. Yeah, you just get And use so
2: another filmmaker where too. If you don't see it now at TIFF, who the hell knows when it's coming to America?
1: You know, I, like over. And, and I can speak. And as far as like, I mean, except for Hapone, I've seen every one of his movies in the theaters. But like. Once I became a big fan of his and started following him, I like it took Silent Light over a year to come to America. It took Post and Lux over a year to 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 get to uh, to to U.S. So it's like so that's another reason why I'm excited. So and, and I tweeted out how disappointed I was that I wasn't going to get to see it, but it turns out I'll, I'll, I'll more than likely uh, I'll definitely be, be be able to see it. So um, I'm very happy about that.
0: Very excited for that one. Chris, what do you got?
2: The next one on my list, this is another very uh, TIFF specific filmmaker for me and for you too, John, I think, is um, Shinya Tsukamoto's new movie Killing. And uh, one of the most memorable film going experiences I've had is when John and I saw Kotoko blind. We just went into his movie about of like psychotic young mother um and it was such an intense film experience and john and i both had kids uh john's daughter and my son are about the same age and they were the same age as the child in the film basically and so it was just an incredibly intense experience like john I swear to God, almost pulled the arms off of his chair. Like, John's a big, strong guy. And he had just, like, gripped the armrests on his seat so tightly that they were genuinely, he had almost pulled them out. And then I, you know, Tsukamoto's a filmmaker I like a lot. He's most known for making Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, But in recent years, he's sort of... I don't want to say chilled, but he's definitely uh, become less of a, uh, like underground cinema lunatic. And I saw fires on the plane at TIFF in 2014. And he's just a guy, you know, who really feels like, like uh, a Corieta, like you were saying, like he's on my list of TIFF things to do, you know, and this film is a, um, is a, uh, a samurai movie, which sounds interesting. me to see uh, uh, Tsukamoto do a a samurai film and you know I'm I'm with it I don't know what more needs to be said about it other than that I know he's a director that you're not uh, I don't Marcus I don't think of you having any particular relationship to him but I do know that he's one that You know, I think of of Tsukamoto, me and you, John, as like Tsukamoto buddies at TIFF.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that screening. I mean, that's the kind of thing you walk into just not knowing what you're getting into. Uh, Obviously, I mean, I had not seen any of his films in the theater up to that film. You know, I'd only seen yeah, me neither. When you just the home viewing experience, obviously, is a lot different than seeing a film in the theater and having that kind of intensity just right up in your face is I was literally sweating in my seat. It was just so gripping. Uh, and I'm not, you know, going to expect that from him every time, but he's certainly one of the very few filmmakers I'm sure who could actually, uh, you know, on purpose (laughs) evoke those emotions from you. And I think recently he has kind of dropped back a little bit, um, I think he's kind of achieved guru status in Japan probably, you know. Um but he's been acting a lot. I think I haven't seen it, but I think he's in he was in Scorsese's uh, silence, right? He's like, Yeah, he's like that's
2: acting. the only thing like that, that. that generates any interest in the silence for me. Is like, yeah. oh, because he's a great actor too. You know, he's famously in uh, a lot of his own movies and Ishii the Killer. And so, you know, he's got a really um phenomenal screen presence. So I'd be curious to see him in, in that movie that I otherwise have no interest in.
0: I haven't checked out the Cast of Killing. Is anyone else noteworthy in it other than him?
2: You know, nobody that jumps out for me as being uh like, oh I gotta see it because they're in it.
0: Yeah. Well I'm definitely curious about it either way.
2: <laughs> okay, John, and what is next? What's second on your list? Your second uh, must see
0: well I, 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 these are not in any kind of order just to, to uh to make that clear um uh but it'd be um is it uh, may or maya i don't even know it's mia uh, mia
2: mia yeah mia no 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 no, no no, the name well, of the movie me, oh oh it's maya <laughs> Fuck, i'm
0: an idiot it's Maya. <laughs> mia Je- mia henson love uh obviously it's the mia director <laughs> i almost went with that uh, because yeah. we know somebody with that name uh mia mia henson love uh I think of Mia Henson-Love as uh, probably my favorite director who has not made a masterpiece. You know, I don't think that that's a negative at all. I yeah. think all of her films have been great. I don't think she's made a bad film or even like an only okay film. I think all of her films have been really great. Uh, I saw Father of My Children several years ago at Toronto, that was my first experience with her. I was kind of lukewarm on it at the time, but it's definitely grown on me since then. Yeah, and you know, me too. With Goodbye First Love with Eden and Things to Come. Uh, these are all great movies. I think that they're all so so modest, you know, in their yeah. approach and in their aesthetic that they just, they're just they not movies that blow you away, but they're movies that are all super smart. They're all very, very knowledgeable of like human uh behavior and just sort of the circumstances of life that you know kind of lead us you know from one situation to another and they are really well handled and very smart films And i'm always excited when she's got a new one and this her new film uh maya or maya however you say it? Is yeah. um is the one that's going to be there this year and i am excited uh, marcus you fan right oh
2: sorry No, I was going to say just real quick on what you're saying about her not making masterpieces, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. She's one of my favorite filmmakers working right now, too. I think she's brilliant. The sense, it's funny that you say she didn't make masterpieces, only great films. The sense I get of her as a filmmaker is that she's like a master swordsman that could kill you with like a single swing of her blade, but she holds back from doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: no, I, know I, has, and I don't she mean has, she didn't make any masterpieces. It's like she there's a shortcoming on her part, you know. Like, yeah, eh, it wasn't quite there. It was like I think her films do exactly what she sets out to do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah along
1: those lines.
2: Yeah, and that she, and that it's sort of like she's always demonstrating how completely in control of like her craft and everything is. Yeah, and she's not going for knockout punches. She's not swinging wildly at you, you know? It's it's fascinating. I find her really fascinating as a filmmaker in that, in that aspect. Sorry, but Marcus, your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I, I am like, Father of My Children is, like, close to being a masterpiece, but I think that just has to do with the fact that, like, after I saw that movie from, for the first time, I was so fascinated by you know, the guy that, that Humbert Balsam, I'm sure I just ruined his name, but the yeah. guy that that movie's based on. And it was just like, oh, he was like a movie producer. And sure, he was all about business and fast moving and two cell phones at the same time. But like, at the same time, you get this like, he really loved movies. Like, he was definitely in it for the business. He was about making money. But it was that interesting mix of a guy who like, he wanted to make money for his films, but he also loved the films. And yeah. he also was involved. Like, he did business with Claire Denis at one point. He acted, you know, in, in a Brasson film. Um, he did business with Merchant Ivory for a while. Like, he was all yeah. over the Like, you know, he never tried to. It's like he was like a business guy, but in the world of art house film. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's kind of commendable. Like, he never tried to make that transition to, like, I want to work for the big American studios. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. No, I love those guys. I was just thinking about Serge Silberman the other day and how like, I wish there was more of him of that type, yeah. you know? Right.
0: Right. And he, his last one was like a Bellator movie, right?
2: Uh, that I don't know. I don't actually know his film. I think his that's the film, that's the last film movie,
1: his last mo- like his very last movie was actually Manderley if I'm not mistaken. He only co-produced that. Uh, he wasn't as involved in it, but I think that was like his very, very last movie, I think. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's a definitely a film that, and again, I think that I had that mentality going into Father of My Children that, like, ah, oh, this is this one, this one came up short, you know, it didn't quite like knock it out of the park. Before I realized that that is exactly what Henson love. That's her style, you know. That's yeah, what she's going. I on.
2: think she also likes enigmatic, emotionally enigmatic moments, and emotionally unresolvable moments. I know a lot of people. I love Things to Come. That's one of my very favorite films. From, from that year when it came out in 2016. And I know a lot of people react to that movie of like, I just do not fucking get what this movie wants me to feel. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That yeah. there's, especially women see that movie and say, I, I don't know what this movie wants me to feel about this character. And maybe it's easier for me to separate uh, my emotions from it because I'm not as projecting as much onto a middle-age becoming uh, elderly woman's story where I feel like I love how hard it is to resolve and understand the emotions of their film. They almost have, you know, that, that Sphinx-like quality that a lot of uh, to me, spiritually great art has you know she 's very much a humanist she 's not a spiritual religious filmmaker, but her movies have the same kind of of sphinx like quality that Brisson has at his best, you know while not relying on supernatural elements to get there
0: yeah, I think so, and I think it 's depressing to hear people misread her films people who said eden was like the story of the origin of daft punk and it's like what what movie were you watching you know
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely and okay marcus shall we move on to your second
1: yeah I, um, yeah i like this transition because it's a olivia sayis film so going from mia Hansen love to olivia sayis um it's olivia sayis's new movie uh, nonfiction. Which uh, this actually I don't know much about, and I kind of Olivia says this is someone. Sometimes I like going in a little blind. He's one of the exceptions to the rule that you know I was talking about earlier. Yeah, and he's actually been on a really good streak, in in my opinion. <clears throat> I agree. Um, especially I mean Clouds of Sils Maria I loved, and it took me. It took me, like, I had to sleep on it, but then when I woke up after seeing um, Personal Shopper, I was like, oh, no, 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 I I like this movie. But I remember I was like, wait, did I like this? And then I thought about it, and I was like, no, I like this for what it is. And um, he's also one of my, he's not one of my favorite. I think he is one of, I'm a big fan. I think he's one of the best active working filmmakers. Uh, And, you know, it's funny, you know, the people, like, so Mike Lee, Claire Denis, Olivia Stace, and Carlos goddess are like the four kind of i think are the best oh rick alverson but are, are the best active filmmakers in my opinion and they all have films playing at TIFF this year so i think that's really cool but um yeah i don't have a whole lot to say uh i'm just i love olivia says films even when he doesn't make a great movie or even a good movie i still don't regret seeing it um
2: and it's, like him, it's him teaming up with juliette binoche again which i think is exciting yeah. yeah after Sils maria
1: yeah yeah and um yeah, that, that, that's really all I have to say. Because a lot of what I have to say about Olivia Sayus, I kind of want to say for another director who we're getting into later on uh, in in this thing. So I, I don't want to repeat myself too much.
0: John, is the is the new Alverson going to be there, Marcus?
1: I don't know. I don't. I. I have DM'd Cameron Bailey directly. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't tell me uh, even if whatever, but I asked him. I asked Rick Alverson. I've asked uh, someone else, and I, I just haven't gotten a response yet. But who knows? You know, a lot of the Venice stuff, because it's right before TIFF, sometimes it spills over. Um, so we'll see. Well, that'd be cool. I
0: Yeah, since it wasn't on the schedule, I just assumed it wasn't going to be, but that would be exciting yeah. too. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me ask you: Does the title make you think that he's going to be remaking the second half of uh, Todd Solance's storytelling?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't even think about, that. I didn't think about that.
2: But isn't the um, isn't doesn't the title translate? more to isn't it double lives isn't non-fiction a bad isn't it yeah double these
1: oh oh that sounds
2: better than non-fiction which is an f minus title for a movie that was actually something i wanted to talk about there's a there's a few movies because nicole Center has another movie in this uh, festival and she's a filmmaker I like her new movie is called The Land of Steady Habits her fucking titles are so unbelievably <laughs> awful like there needs to be a title intervention and I was also flipping through the um, the catalog and I saw there's a documentary called What is Democracy and it's like wow oh, uh, it's like begging people never to watch your film Like, did, some,
0: you, land, did you land on the title Too Late to Die Young?
2: No <laughs> <laughs> I'd still watch that over the land of steady habits and what is democracy? Nonfiction. They're
1: There's another um, another, titles. another movie that almost made it on my like a list for my for this thing, but I just kept it up. Like the death and life life of John F. Donovan. I think that's <laughs> yeah. another a new Xavier Dolan movie. That's kind of like, eh, I'll leave that alone.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, funny.
0: it's funny that you ran with Dolan based on. Uh, your Toronto experience. I saw his first film there and was like, what's the big deal?
2: No, well, he's that's the thing. He's the, I still, of, I, he a shit. he's the king of empty hype movies.
1: It's, uh, yeah. I, and, and it's Tiff. He's in his home country, so of course there's going to be a lot of hype. I really like Heartbeats, but ever since then, I'm like, oh, there's almost that thing that I want to like, but I, I, I don't know if I've actually liked... Well, I, I kind of like Tom at the Farm, but still, two out of, what, five or six movies is kind of like... Like I killed my mother was then and like, you know, Lawrence Anyways is a tough movie because it's like you're supposed to feel I don't know if you're supposed to, but it is this like story about this guy transitioning from man to woman. But they're an asshole. They're an absolute terrible human being, which is interesting. But at the same time, it's like, I don't care. I kind of don't care if you got beat up. I kind of don't care if you're crying and sad because you're shitty to other people. And it has nothing to do with you being depressed. That's, that's it,
2: Marcus. You, people. Are, you are canceled. Uh-oh. You're canceled. Good.
1: Well, Good. Twitter's Cancel going
2: to get a hold of this.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. I know Xavier Dolan and his films and his sub. That, that's like the last guy to tackle. He, he, he covers everything.
2: Yeah. Uh-oh. So, uh, is, it, what's, is it me? Am I moving yeah, on? Yeah, Yeah. Okay.
0: I'll just say uh, real quick before we move on, I'm just yes. about to say that I also, I saw... And then this happens a lot at Toronto. Uh, this year, the conflicts aren't nearly as bad in the press and industry screenings that we attend. But most years, you know, it's like you have to see the first half hour of a movie and then move on to the one you want to see even more. So two years ago, I saw the first 20 or 30 minutes of uh, Personal Shopper. And, you know, I was into it. And then afterwards, I was just like, I was tortured. I was like, I want to see the rest of that movie and find out what the rest
2: of that movie is all about. So see, that was, I can't do that was that. Like a year I later before I got to a movie I'm interested in and only watch 20 minutes. I will well, I didn't know it was going to be interesting. I yeah, I, go, yeah the thing. I guess that's fair.
0: Yeah, That was like, I'll uh, oh, we'll check it out and see what this is all about, but then I have to run and go to the Verhoeven movie. But it's like, ah, but now I want to know what happened with that. Yeah,
2: in yeah, years past, fun. there's been really a ton of conflicts, especially 2016 was just... Uh, ridiculous by how hard it was to see all of the m- movies no but and-
1: that ended up working out though because at the last minute the last half of the festival they added all these screenings remember
2: yeah but I still didn't get to see a lot of stuff that I wanted to see like Personal Shopper and like oh, yeah. the um, the, uh, the Marinade movie I can't remember what it's called now mm-hmm. um, <sighs> Tony Erdman and a lot of things that I wanted to see I, I didn't get to see mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah yeah but lucky, it's, luckily it's see a lot better this year years. they seem to yeah. they seem to be adding a lot more screenings double screenings of things yeah uh the last time we were there with moonlight i remember they ended up adding like three or four screenings because it was in such high demand and this year they've already uh for uh for uh, Jenkins' new movie, they've already put like three screenings on the first day that it's going to be there. So yeah, definitely dissipating big crowds for that one, I guess.
2: Yeah, I should say too, while we're talking about Tiff, I love going to this festival for how well run it is. It runs so smoothly, especially in compare and unpretentiously, especially in comparisons to other festivals that I've been to where this is really a movie festival that's about seeing the movies. You know, it's really a festival that's about people who are uh more serious and more interested in the film than any festival i've been to except for the new york film festival but that still gets really caught up in the glamour and the social positioning and the,
1: i don't the put the interest yeah yeah it's like all showcase movies i mean it's cool yeah. to go to if the movie's good but it's yeah uh, yeah i never compare that to tiff
2: yeah.
0: But I think even if, you know, TIFF had all these amazing titles that they have, yeah, if it was badly run, I wouldn't go every year and I applaud the volunteers every time they ask you to before the screenings, you know. I mean, they do a great job. Yeah. Sure.
2: Um my last must-see pick, number 3, I had High Life by Claire Denis killing by Shinya sukamoto and then I'm cheating here on the last one. I'm going to do a two-pack of documentaries, two of my favorite filmmakers in the world, you know, we're talking about top 5 filmmakers. These are unquestionably two guys who are in the top five along with Claire Denis it's Errol Morris and Fred Wiseman both have new movies at the festival and I feel uh I have almost total confidence in both of these filmmakers but at the same time when I read the descriptions of them they're also movies that I it feels like I'm not actually anticipating watching Fred Wiseman's movie about You know, small town Midwesterners who tilted the 2016 election towards Trump. Or American Dharma is the Errol Morris movie, which is about Steve Bannon, which is just like, I don't want to spend an hour and a half with that guy at all, you know? And so it's a funny thing where it's like, two filmmakers I love more than any, and two movies that if it were anyone, literally anyone, but them making these movies, I would not want to fucking see it under any circumstances.
1: That's that's interesting. I want to see Steve Bannon under the under the lens of Errol Morris.
2: Absolutely. Oh, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do under him. But if yeah. it was if it was, think of another documentary. Thing. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Morgan Spurlock's Steve Bannon movie. Do you want to? Or see Michael
1: it? Moore. Or Michael you know.
2: Moore's, you yeah. know, yeah. any yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody. Sure. If it's um, any of those political filmmakers, yeah. really yeah. honest to God, and and even less so with the Wise Men. but. Some of my very favorite Frederick Wiseman movies are like Belfast about Belfast, Maine and um, Jackson Heights about Jackson Heights, Queens that are just his community movies where his camera goes around a community rather than a specific institution mm-hmm. and looks at it. And this one is about uh, Morovia, Indiana. And um, I have a lot of reason to think that I like it as much as those movies, which are two of my um, uh, two of my very favorites and it's not excessively long for him it's a little under two and a half hours which is also makes it you know when you do go to a big film festival um sometimes the Wiseman films which can get very long you just feel like I'm going to eat up my entire day watching this one movie and I like at at two and a half hours I don't have any of those conflicts about it either (laughs) And so I'm psyched for these movies.
0: That's practically a short film for Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, two and a yeah, half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like like you, you know, he's one of my cinematic heroes, and uh, <clears throat> I, I credit the fel- the festival again with uh, reigniting my passion for his work because, you know, i had seen tons of his movies. I was like, yeah, clearly he's a legend. Uh, but he he's so prolific and makes so many films, one each year, that you know it's hard and, and so long that it's hard to it was hard to keep up with them. Yeah. Uh, so when 2012, I want to say, when Boxing Gym dropped at the festival, um, and again that was one of his shorter ones. Going into- that
1: was like 2010. Uh, that was like years. Yeah. Oh,
0: ten. Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm bad with years. Um,
1: yeah, seeing that
0: was like, holy god, holy shit, holy shit. This is amazing. This guy is incredible. I immediately went to his back catalog, started watching him again. Just totally reignited my passion for him, and now yeah. he's just like my all time yeah
2: oh and seeing crazy horse at tiff with you the maybe the most fun i've ever had at tiff that movie might be the most fun i've ever had there and just just the greatest you know a lot that
0: was of super fun and when sitting with you to see it was the second time i actually saw it at the festival because i liked it so much i went not saw yeah, it a second time you
2: just wanted to see the do crazy I
0: hear that song again yeah
2: <laughs> undulating space butts in the erotic cosmonauts god i love that movie <laughs> that movie is a really sheer delight and i and like look i know as much as I know a lot of the promotion of a new Fred Wiseman film is going to be trying to find some hook to possibly get people interested. And I bet this movie is not an overtly political film, and I bet it's not really about Trump. And I understand why they position it that way to make it seem topical in a way he's not, even though he is a deeply political filmmaker. He's not a topical filmmaker at all. And... You know, I know what it'll actually be. This movie's going to be like Belfast or or Jackson Heights and Jackson Heights. So, I, I of all the movies on the list of anything that I would bet is exactly what I want it to be. This is my number one choice. I have like no doubt that this is going to be more Wiseman genius.
0: Wiseman could set up a camera in the bathroom of Grand Central Station, and I would—I'd be there. I know he'd do something great with it, no matter what the.
2: Oh my God! What you just sounds amazing. <laughs> Fred, Fred Wiseman's Grand Central Station. Fred, Fred Wiseman anywhere. Yeah, Fred Wiseman. Fred Wiseman's Grand Central Station bathroom. It's like, oh my God!
0: An- another Tiff's three screening, and a half and
2: it, hours. I'm there.
0: Another TIFF uh, uh, screening anecdote was that I went to see the White Ribbon, the haneke film, yeah. uh, the year that Weisman's uh, New York Ballet uh, documentary was playing, or, or was it Paris Ballet? I can't remember. Paris Opera Ballet. The Paris Opera. Okay, so yeah, that, uh, that movie. That yeah, that one. That one though was like you know, oh, this is a long one about you know uh, the ballet. I'm definitely not going to. I'm definitely going to see White Ribbon instead. They accidentally played the Weisman film for a good ten minutes instead of White Ribbon. Um, and when they turned it off to set up, huh?
2: To emphasize to you that you had made the wrong decision.
0: Yeah. Well, as soon as they cut it off, and everyone was like, "Good, put the right movie on." I was like, "No, I want to see more of that one." <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, shoplifters, New Coriata was my first pick. Uh, Maya, the uh, Henson Love movie, my second.
2: Maya. It's got to be mine.
0: my, uh, the Henson Love. My, my, I don't know next, when we all come back together to talk about uh, movies we saw, I will know how to pronounce it. Uh, third film that my bullet in the chamber here new Mike Lee movie, always a cause for celebration, and this one is sounds crazy. This is his 13th theatrical feature. Uh, He's 75 years old, possibly his most ambitious film just from the the sound of it. Uh, It's Peterloo, which is a historical film about um, uh, Manchester, England, almost 200 years ago. Uh, The climate is horrible, economic conditions following the Napoleonic Wars. And it's the story of uh, the cavalry charging into a crowd, demonstrating for parliamentary reform. So, you think there's no way you can do this right without it being somewhat epic when since considering there were 60 to 80,000 protesters at this event. Uh, you don't usually think of Mike Lee as being like a, uh, a filmmaker with a giant scope like that. Yeah. And yeah, that's particularly you know, epic. Yeah. And on the one hand you're thinking, wow, this is going to be amazing. On the other hand, you're thinking, Oh, is it going? To, am I going to be saying they're expecting one of his intimate, you know, yeah. uh, backroom dramas? So, uh, who knows what to expect? Except it's a new Mike Lee, and what more needs to be said? But don't
2: you also feel like, oh, real quick, John, hit record because you haven't been recording.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It's
2: okay. All right. <laughs> don't you also feel like though when I was looking at this movie, you look at his. Filmography for comparisons, and it feels like, well, he just did Mister Turner, and that was great, but it's not very epic. I feel like there's a level on which um, his his uh, Mikaido movie was epic in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. it was like an epic costume drama. I sort of we feel like know, I look at that and go, and maybe it's going to be like, yeah, thing. yeah, that it's going to be it like look
0: that. gorgeous, you know i mean obviously it's going to look amazing he's going to be able to uh juggle a giant cast yeah um but if it's so, yeah if you're looking yeah massacre (laughs) right i mean heavy 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 theme obviously too at the same time so um but really what more is there to say except thank god there's new mike lee movie which you know i wish we could say every single year yeah uh we saw his last one uh no no we've not seen mr turner it's if we saw the one before that at TIFF. Um, oh,
2: which one we saw? Because I saw another year at TIFF. Another year and, was the one before yeah, Mister Turner. And oh, I didn't see Happy Go Lucky at TIFF. I saw another year there. And uh, did did we see Vera Drake there in two thousand four? I went by myself in two thousand four. Yeah,
0: I, I did not see it there.
2: No, because we saw Vera Drake when it showed at the theater I programmed, and I got to meet him then. So. Hmm. Right. So I think, yeah, he hasn't been a festival staple for us. But um, but certainly another year was in 2010. That was probably the best TIFF we've ever been to, right? And First that was movie. part of that amazing lineup where we just saw so many great films that year.
0: Yeah, and this is, you know, um, any year with a new Mike Lee, I mean, that's just kind of automatically my most anticipated film of the year. Yeah. Just sort of, you know, because I've just love the man and love his work so
2: now marcus are you do you know much about peter lou have you been anticipating it
1: uh, yeah. uh, I, again he's another one i didn't know he had a movie coming out but i'll drop anything to see that he's it, I'm, I'm seeing that my last full day there at tiff it, it's it's on on the 14th so it's it's uh it's one yeah. of my must sees uh definitely yeah. yeah, I mean, Naked, Life is Sweet. Life, like I just said, Life is Sweet to my all-time f- favorite movies. Um, yeah. Happy go Lucky. Yeah, like, I, he's an, I don't think he, at least in terms of, like, theatrical stuff, I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. You don't,
2: look, I agree with that, except for Career Girls. I I just don't think works. I think everything else is pretty close to being a master. I, I, I agree
1: doesn't work, but I still think it's great. I yeah. don't mind it.
2: I think if they just took that terrible light jazz score off of it and put oh, regular yeah, Mike Lee I, music on it it would work
1: yeah partially done by uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste is the one yeah. who sang on that
0: <laughs> Yeah. yep that said my first tweet of the year was it's a new year and there's a new Mike Lee movie and it got you know lots of support and it just made me feel like it's good to know that people out there are excited for Mike Lee still you know? yeah yeah, yeah.
2: I think people got brains in their heads. So, Marcus, v- run down your, uh, your your list.
1: So, I had, uh, first, I had Our t- This is ranked, by the way. I had Our Time, the new Carlos Regatta's first nonfiction, uh, the new Olivia Sesea's second. And this one, look, I'm committed, so I'm going to stick to it, but I just just after doing my list before we recorded. So last night I watched the new, like longer trailer to Widows and I was like, oh, uh, I mean, okay. Whereas the (laughs) teaser looked really, really, really like, you know, it was like less than 60 seconds. And I was like, oh, done is all I need to know. Like, I'm I'm not big on super big ensemble. I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. And the older I get, the less I like. A lot of big name actors in the same movie, but I'm I'm a Steve McQueen fan, um, and I like that he's not, at least from what I know of this movie and what everyone else knows, he's not making like a message movie or at least yeah uh, an on the nose message movie. Like, there's things about love and relationships, and I see in terms of the cast, he's trying to like in a non pretentious forced, you know, film Twitter way trying to like force different ethnicities and whatever. on and, and, and it seems natural that there's all these different races, you know, rep- represented in that film. But other than that, this is just a heist movie. And that's all that I want it to be. And I hope that's all it is. Um, and it, it looks good. It looks very Michael Mannish, uh, which yeah. also will draw. I mean, like, there are certain directors, and I think you guys, especially when it comes to Terrence Malick, when I like a filmmaker so much, even their copycats and, like, illegitimate children, I'll like their movies as well. And when I yeah. saw this trailer, it looks like, oh, this is like some heat, you know, stuff. Um, and that at this point like, is all I can say. But I really like Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Viola Davis is good most of the time. And I, I can say that about a lot, a lot of the cast. But again, now that I saw that longer trailer, it's like, oh, I hope this, I hope this is just the trailer and it's not a representation of the movie. No.
2: You know what's funny about McQueen? I always think of him as like the inverse of uh, Mia Jensen Love, where he makes masterpieces that are like these huge, uh, you know, like orchestrations of sound and image that I don't necessarily think of as great films. Mm. That he's like a, a director of masterpieces of movies that I'm not sure even hold up a couple years later. You know, like, do people still think of of the, the sex addiction movie or 12 Years a Slave on the same level that they did a few years ago?
1: No, I, I can solidly, like, I still enjoy them as much as I did when I first saw them, but on a grand scale, like like what you're talking about, no, I don't really see, like, hunger or shame or... Shame, like, that's know, what like, it's called. Yeah, you know, or or even 12 Years a Slave, I don't see many people, you know. Yeah. And, and And there's something about, I think... Maybe not so much shame, or maybe shame, but every movie he's made, it's like, oh, I like this movie so much, but there are a couple of things that just really pissed me off about him. Yeah. Like, he's he someone, there's, there's no unconditioned, like, with 12 Years a Slave, it goes back to that, like, having too many big-name actors in it for, like, a four-minute-long scene, and then you never see them again. Like, I, I really do hate that. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to run down every, every one of his movies, but, yeah, there, there's always something. It's like, why did you do that? But overall, like, oh, I'm glad. I'm really glad I saw
2: this. Yeah, but they're all like, they're all weirdly, they're masterpieces. You know what I mean? I don't I all... call Hunger
1: a masterpiece.
2: I think that they're just. I. Uh, I mean, my feelings on Hunger are well known, which that I don't necessarily like Steve McQueen's style, and I hate like the kung fu sound effects on that movie. I just hate like the police line up and pull out their batons, and it's like. <laughs> You know, like, I don't like it. (laughs) You know, it's just not for me. But at the same time, I feel like criticizing them for, like, they should be something else is insane, it feels like to me. You know what I mean?
0: I agree. I feel like he's, you know, he's almost untouchable in that way. And, like, you know, he just got, he clearly has grand scopes and he, yeah. he clearly like has important things to say and you feel that in the films, but there's, there's a missing, there's he's la- they're lacking excitement for me in a yeah. way. I don't know. Like I am definitely going to see Widows. uh, I think Viola Davis is an incredible actor. Um, yeah. but I, but I, I think oh, for yeah, sure if it was, if it was in conflict, if it was on, in conflict with any of the films we've mentioned so far, I, it wouldn't even be a hesitation for me to sweep, you know, out of the way to yeah. see those films yeah I agree. sure for that
2: reason for that reason and sure. what is yeah and of the ones he's made what's your favorite Ah, uh, shame yeah and that's yeah. the one that people i think liked least even when it came out or sort of divided people the most
1: i look hey look, steve mcqueen has had a weird career it's like yeah j- like black people didn't even know who he was until 12 years a slave um i'm just gonna be blunt about it and then like People really forgot about Hunger. Like, Hunger's biggest thing, like, two things about, I thought Hunger's, again, it's really well-made, it's really great, but, like, the two things that people talk about with Hunger, it's like, oh, look how much weight Michael Fassbender lost, oh, and it has that really long shot. And it's like, there's a lot more to that movie than just what people talk about.
2: And is there, like, anything less impressive than an actor losing weight in a really long shot? Like, how can you be here in 2018 and give a shit about either of those things?
1: I kind of, (laughs) yeah, yeah
2: oh he lost a ton of weight wow that's i've never seen that before by somebody trying to be serious (laughs) a really long shot do tell oh wow
1: yeah and and let me just clarify i think anyone listening to this who knows me half well knows you're listening by now the claire denis was already taken so clearly widows wouldn't even be in my top three well i think
2: yeah i think the claire denis for all three of us was Sure. T- top two if not top movie well, it's, so
1: top, it's top movie for me can i at least just say i won't say who but okay. there's a rapper in it
2: you can say whatever you want who's the no, rapper I, I, in I it?
1: Am. yeah it, is it, but, is but, it but, paris but, uh, what is it paris no damn not even close actually but no
2: <laughs> is it here's the only answer that will bum me out is it tricky
1: no, 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 God! <laughs> no, that's totally no. That's totally possible for various reasons. Just because, like, tricky. Oh,
2: I and, know, and it would fucking bum me out if that were the answer.
1: Because tricky is boys with Olivia Sayus, and Olivia Sayus is very close to Claire Denis. No, and they and they trade and share actors a lot. That that's he's worked with Tricky a couple of times, so that's totally possible. That no, would that was my first. worry is that that was the answer. That would <laughs> no, be no, a, no. That he'd
0: be a carryover from the Fifth Element.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it have been a carryover from Clean. Remember, he was in Clean. Yeah, and, um, and he's also True. in that, that that concert movie that Olivia Sayus made that like no one saw. That it was like a tricky concert.
0: Oh, um, I've seen it. He plays himself in Clean, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Along with a bunch of other he's musicians. Himself
1: he's himself in any movie. He's always himself.
0: True.
2: Yeah. So let's let's flip the order now. We're going to dive into the wild cards. These are movies that. We think could either be very good or possibly very bad that could go any kind of way, yeah. And we'll start with you, Marcus. What's your shot from midcourt?
1: Yep, yeah. So I'm going with the uh, what's the pronunciation of the new Vinterberg? Uh, Kursk or Kursk Kursk. You're so asking Thomas, the wrong guys, yeah. But <laughs> the new the new uh v- Vinterberg, and he's someone who overall he's like him as a person I'm like oh I really like you I, I oh you're really cool but like half of his movies are like what the fuck was that and the other half like oh, these, oh these, these are really great but I never regret even seeing a bad movie that or a movie I consider bad it's like <clears throat> after certain movies end it's like huh oh yeah okay why'd you do that but like with a smile on my face I, I feel like
0: the it, ones I that you all i feel like the ones that you that you aren't sure about how to pronounce are the ones that you're not sure of you know I feel like yeah. i've I've been a fan of all of his like english language films you know even the ones that are you know uh made in Europe but uh some of the ones that he's uh made that are kind of unpronounceable or untranslatable like <coughs> Kur
1: yeah. are
0: ones that i'm always like is this how's this one gonna be? I don't know it's gonna oh, be wait, like, you, a like you like funny Slip comedy. What's oh, no, that's that's the one I'm that's what I'm using as an example. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that
1: was like a like, what the fuck? Like, oh, no, exactly. He's exactly what what I'm talking about.
2: It's impossible to guess what he's going to be. Yeah, that's a perfect pick for a wild card. And I love him probably more than most. I might be the only person in the world who is of the opinion, like, he's definitely a better filmmaker than Lars von Trier, you know, his buddy. I'm probably the only person in the world who thinks that that's a case closed. Yeah, and I still, one of two. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I still any of his new movies. I'm like, I don't know, man. And he also makes he he does that thing where he'll sometimes make incredibly bland movies just out of nowhere. You know, as much as he Agreed. makes crazy stuff, he'll just do like you know that that far from the madden crowd. You know, um, oh shit! Oh, I you, oh man, I forgot <laughs> all about that movie. Yeah, it's so it's so milk toast.
1: I saw know? that twice in the theater. Yeah. Wait, is this the movie? um Carrie Mulligan? Carey
2: Mulligan, the, Carey that, Mulligan and, and Matthias Schoenertz.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I saw that twice in the theater and the that a theater. Guy guy, like Michael Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay, I guess he did do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I take back what I said about the English language movies. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well there's yeah, they're just all I was all thinking
0: over. the hunt was the last really great one.
2: I love hunt. the hunt. Yeah. And the Hunt just,
1: is his last great one.
2: Yeah, but he's, he's all over the place. And even the ones that aren't great, like John and I both have, John introduced me to and convinced me to have more room in my heart for It's All About Love. And so that's, he's just all over the place, you know? Yeah, so, but,
0: but definitely has earned a shot, you know, whenever he has a new movie, so.
2: Earned, a, earned excitement too, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like, good choice. Okay, John, what is your first wild card
0: so i'm thinking that 95 percent of the serious cinephile world wouldn't consider this a wild card at all they'd consider it a sure thing but the new film by uh uh, Zonka, uh which is ashes the yeah. purest white uh is going to be me giving him another shot because i saw unknown pleasures i saw still life and platform i just have never really gotten into his films even though they pop up on like like three of them in the top 10 of the decade and film comment magazine and stuff. It's like, um, I just haven't gotten into them, but there are so many filmmakers, uh, world renowned filmmakers who I've been completely unimpressed by who, as the years go by, I revisit their stuff and I am, you know, converted, you know, like I, I changed my mind on them and I, I'm going to give them a shot on this one. I don't know anything about it. Uh, except it has a pretentious title but you know I'm uh
2: it's a revenge film isn't it
0: I have no I don't know anything about it
2: I'm pretty um he's been on more of like a genre kick recently yeah yeah
0: yeah. in fact I think it was probably the fact that touch of sin was pretty good that I'm willing to
2: yeah and I think this is another one I mean really all I know about this movie is like people with guns you know Mm mm-hmm so we'll see how that one is yeah
0: i don't i don't know anything about but i'm gonna go in blind and see if i can be won over and if so i'll go back and i'll revisit everything no pressure movie
2: (laughs) i'm with it that's that's another good one to me that's that's one that i is sort of a wild card and like uh schedule permitting i think i'd give it a shot you know if
0: it was playing late in in the festival when like It's really important not to pick a loser, you know? Yeah. I might not risk it, but it's on the first day. So I figured, well, I'm going to have lots of energy. I'm going to be excited. So that's probably the best time to see it.
2: Yeah. My first wild card is Through the Black Spruce, or Through Black Spruce, I guess it's just called, which is the new movie by... Don McKellar. Don McKellar made a movie called Last Night that I love, and I know you love as well, John, about the last night before the end of the world. And this is a wild card because I haven't seen his other movies, they don't sound good. He's never become a like internationally renowned figure. I don't even know if Last Night has any kind of reputation despite starring David Cronenberg and Sarah Polly and being excellent. And this is a movie that, you know, it's, I don't know much about it. It's about a young Cree woman's disappearance. And it's, he's very Canadian. He usually gets relegated to the uh, Canadian section of the festival, which is they are required to program a certain amount of Canadian films. And those movies have a tendency to be real dregs. And, (laughs) you know, I don't know. It could go either way. It's funny. The TIFF booklet says... Don McKellar and his marquee cast, and listen to this marquee cast, guys: Tantu Cardinal, Brandon Oakes, and a dazzling Tanaya Beatty. Wow, can you believe he got all of them for this movie? <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, that's pretty show-stopping. That marquee cast. Put those names on a marquee. You're just going to fill up your 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 theater there's no question so only <laughs> in quebec uh but,
0: I, I i get him confused with bruce mcdonald all the time yeah. mckeller like you know that seems like uh they, i don't know are. if they have great movies beyond that one film that you've seen that was pretty good or yeah great, and know? it's
2: like oh he's in existence that's cool you know <laughs>
0: exactly <laughs> and, but, but uh, because of last night you're willing to give this one a shot
2: Yeah, this is like my wild card. I haven't seen the other two or three movies that he's directed, and I feel like... You know what, last night is good enough and this has an intre- it actually does have an interesting cast. It has an interesting milieu. It sounds like somewhere between a true crime film and sort of like windswept miserabilism, which are two genres that I enjoy. And it just feels like it feels like it could be interesting. It's a wild card though, where also it could be a movie that 15 minutes in, I am like, I am out, you know, pulling the, the schedule out of my <laughs> pocket and bailing on it very quick. But uh, but it's it's a real wild card, you know. It's the kind of thing where I can envision a version of what's being sold to me that's quite good, you know.
0: Yeah, for me, it uh, I think it runs up against seeing Peterloo a second time. Yeah. So I guess it's going to depend on for me just how great Peterloo is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Marcus Penn, what is your second wild card? Wild card. Is it-
1: what? Oh.
2: Wild card.
1: This is a true wild card. It's, direct, it's the directorial debut of Brady Corbett, uh, Vox Lux, or Vox Lose, however you pronounce it. Um, I'm only basing this off of the fact, well, on a few things, um, outside of movies. So he has a really good, like... um uh, How do I say this? His his taste in film is really, really good, like on a personal level. And just recently he's been collaborating with a lot of people I love, from Michael Haneke to Bertrand Bonello. So it's kind of like, I don't know, for like a first time film, I'm I'm hoping that a lot of the stuff that he likes and and people he's worked with rubs off on, not so much in a copycat way, but it's just like when you surround yourself with the folks that I named, I'm hoping maybe your movie kind of, you know, travels in that lane of of, of cinema. yeah. Let me
2: let me ask you: How do you feel about the cast? Natalie Portman, Jude Law. That yeah. is that making you? Uh, no, psyched? well, that yeah,
0: because I like him too. And what, as soon as I see Natalie Portman starring, my just my immediate reaction is. Uh... <laughs>
1: no, but that's what I'm saying, and, and that's why. And then I thought that, and then it's like, oh, but it's like I want to see what this is, which to me is kind of the definition of of, of a wild card. And it's like,
2: yeah, absolutely. What's no even doubt.
1: the thing is, this is the third movie that. Oh no, I'm sorry this is the fourth movie that they've been in together now. And it's like, I don't like any of the movies that they've been in together. So it's kind of, you know, like from Cold Mountain to fucking uh, My Blueberry Nights to uh, what's, what's oh, Closer. I don't like anything they're in together. So you would
2: Well, those are terrible I, movies you've just listed.
1: No, that's what I just said. I don't like any <laughs> yeah. movies that they've been in together. So it's like, you know there's um, not a lot going there's not a lot working for this but to me it's like it's it's the definition of oh i want to No,
2: see- he's an interesting guy i agree with you 100 yeah. percent that he's yeah. somebody that i've i've been super aware of since the uh funny games remake he's been somebody yeah. that's been very much on my radar i sure. saw him at grand central station once and uh, he did that like uh, famous person thing he's not a famous person of like seeing me recognizing him and like rolling his eyes and making it clear. He didn't want to be bothered when I was just like walking by and I felt like, who the fuck are you? You should be kissing my hairy beanbag that I recognized you. You should oh, be. Really? Anyone in the world should,
1: you know, that was the opposite, because, like, so, I. I'm I'm, there was a period I was just around him a lot, because he's, like, really good friends with Lodge, and yeah. then we were at the New York, when Martin came to visit for the New York Film Festival last year, we bumped into each other, he's like, oh, hey, Marcus, what's up, blah, blah, and I was like, oh, this is my friend Martin, he's like, oh, hey, how's it going, and then, like, yeah, oh, he's, like, a total... Well, but adult.
2: you were introduced to him by Lodge Kerrigan, that's a different circumstance than some guy at Grand Central, Well, this, well working down a hot dog with mustard on his shirt, looking well, no, like no. damon packard and reflections of evil that's how i look all the time I <laughs> yeah.
1: well i didn't know well no i met him twice though before like one time yeah. was totally just like at the movies i was like hey man you're great in funny games like oh wow thank you like he was just generally surprised and i saw him another time he obviously didn't remember me and i was just like yeah that mysterious skin blah blah blah." and he's like wow thank you so yeah no I, even before having uh mutual buddies and whatnot he's I'm just surprised you reacted that way. That's, you so know.
2: you're seeing this movie because he was nice to you. Is that what you're trying to tell
1: <laughs> no, us? No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> Guys, no. I will try to run
0: into it at the festival and I will weigh in.
2: <laughs> Solve on this How he reacts. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. No. People on the no, street. Just
2: carefully. You know, that's all it takes with me. You know how we saw the uh, the star of uh, Brandon Cronenberg's movie on the street, Paul Cooney? And yeah, yeah, you t- yeah. being nice was, I was like, maybe I don't hate that movie. Maybe I, maybe I like that movie. That's
1: no, because if 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 that were the case, I'd be an unconditional Neil Labute fan because he was incredibly nice and just wanted to chat and hang out. Like he walked from IFC Center, He walked with me, Neil Labute, from the IFC Center to the diner I was going to eat, just yeah. chatting about movies.
2: Johnny Johnny cakes. Back to me. <laughs> What's your second wild card? Wild man? card
0: number two. Number two, so this one really just falls into this, you know, unfortunately I've already like, laid out my schedule, so I've already kind of considered what films are in what slots and you know, times that none of the A-list movies are there. Uh, and one that kind of jumped out at me is one called Gloria Bell by uh, Seb- uh, Sebastian Lilio, who you know everyone knows for winning the Oscar a few years ago, but uh, this is actually a reworking of his 2013 film Gloria, which I liked a lot. Um, even though I think a lot of that had to do with the lead actress, uh, Paulina Garcia, uh, who I guess is being replaced by Julianne Moore in this film. So, same director doing an English version of his previous film. Uh, <laughs> as far as an experiment
2: could be interesting. <laughs> that's
0: that's what I'm, I'm going to just jump over to and say that I just found out about this film, A Faithful Man, which is uh, directed by Louis Garrel, and. I'm not a fan of the Grells in general, Louis, or his dad, Philippe. Um, yeah. Really bland movies in general. But this is co-written by Jean-Claude Carrière.
2: Oh, really? So,
0: huh. might be interesting. Yeah,
2: That's on my wildcard list for those of you who don't know Jean-Claude Could Claude be Carrier.
0: good. And also, the
2: greatest so, scene writer who ever lived. He wrote most of Boomwell's white work and Dangerous Liaisons and any number of amazing films. work with Pierre Attacks.
0: So it could be interesting. And also because it's Louis Garrel, of course, he's casting his wife, Lucretia Casta, is in the lead. So it's got that going forward as well. I didn't know that's who he was married to. So, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Lily Rose Depp is in there too, and she's, she's perfectly fun.
2: Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Yoga Hosers. True story. <laughs> True story. I'm on the
0: record. So, so while well, I see this movie that's clearly going to be bad, but it's co-written by Jean-Claude Carriere and stars Lucretia Costa, then yeah, I'll probably go see
1: that.
2: Yeah, Leticia Costa, right?
1: Isn't that what I said?
2: <laughs> you said sort of Lucretia Costa. Yeah, you
1: said Lucretia. Oh, I was Laticia. just trying to... Uh, Sorry.
2: Although Lucretia Martel crossed with Le- Leticia Costa literally would be the perfect <laughs> woman. Um. <coughs> although not in the way you're thinking the body of lucretia martel and the mind of leticia costa is what i was suggesting
0: um so is, these are wild cards of the very definition of wild cards and then i feel like you guys don't even have anything to say about
2: them yeah no that sounds interesting i'm, inter- <laughs> it I'm sounds interested i'm so glad no 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 i the carrier movie sounds interesting I, I, A part of the deal with the wild cards is like i i don't know how would yeah, i know any I'm better than the you? same
1: thing yeah
2: yeah is they, they probably won't be good because most movies made in any given year are not any good, but they also have things in them that that seem perfectly reasonable. Uh, my final wild card... Another
0: one, Chris, that you might not have oh. read about
2: yet. Yeah.
0: Another one, Chris, that you might not have heard about yet is uh, Mademoiselle de uh, Junqueras. Have you heard about that? No. It's yet another adaptation of uh, the act Antio- of uh, Madame de uh, Pomeray from uh, uh, Jacques la list oh uh, twice
2: so i'd love that that's a great that's a great story
0: Alrighty one this is a it
2: is okay, John, we lost you there, but I think we can get it with just that's a that's a great story I love that I think you're right that i 'd be interested um, yeah. my last wild card is something that was I can't in good conscience put it on my must-see over a lot of other stuff, but it's Florianopolis Dream, which is the new film by Anna Katz. Anna Katz is an Argentine filmmaker who John and I saw her film, A Stray Girlfriend at TIFF, and it was one of those TIFF discoveries that never migrated to the United States, that never developed any international reputation, and it was a very funny, uh, cringe-comedy uh, kind of film that was beautifully shot, beautifully acted, and I loved it, and sort of nothing really ever came of it in America, and she's an interesting filmmaker, uh, who, her new movie, I'm interested in seeing it, you know, it's, uh, the TIFF booklet compares it to Eric Romer, which I think is, like, sort of, in a weird way, the best case scenario for her work. I don't think A Stray Girlfriend was, um, an undiscovered masterpiece like the way the empty box was the last time we were up there uh which is an amazing movie that also never made its way to america i just thought it was a really good movie i thought it was a really interesting movie by a filmmaker with a a really fun and unique and interesting voice and i'm interested to see what else she does i've seen i've since seen a few other of her movies um that i don't like as much as a stray girlfriend. They're not bad, but they're much more sort of mainstream regular movies than a stray girlfriend is. So I'm curious to to see which direction this one goes, you know? And it's also, it sounds similar to a stray girlfriend in its setup in that it's about another vacation where uh relationships are stressed by the act of the vacation. And you know, I I think it could be good. She's somebody that, uh, whose work, again, like, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to see it other than here, you know? It could easily show here and then never show in North America again. Uh, That's a real, true possibility for it. So I would love to take a chance on it.
0: I am incredibly excited to see that one. Uh, Unlike you, I have not seen any of her films since Stray Girlfriend, So I have a complete blind spot with her career. Um I've only that movie to go on which I liked very much, so I'm excited to get another chance to see one of her films.
2: Me too. John uh, Marcus, did you did you see Stray Girlfriend? I didn't. Probably not because it was at it was like 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. So that would have been and then it was not here. I'm not even sure I I'd be surprised if it's even on DVD in the US. So which is a shame. And that's also the kind of thing where you know, you go, God, why is it not being given a shot? If if Alexander Payne had made, made that movie, it would have gotten an Academy Award. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. All right, now we're going to move on to the best part of it, which is the movies that we are going to avoid, like, you know, I will avoid this movie like it's a late period Malick movie. That's what I would say about this. We're all going to pick our must avoid films. And John Cribs, let's start... Watch your mouth. <laughs> I would like to hear hey, Marcus. Hey Marcus, Marcus more for yep. you. There's more for you. Just more for you.
1: More for
0: me. <laughs> I feel like since Marcus just got uh, shots fired at him that he should go first. <laughs>
1: Cool. Uh, I'm about to fire shots at all my social media timelines because they're the reason that I'm not seeing uh, Michael Moore's movie. Because Michael Moore just represents, like, hashtag like, hey, Donald Trump is an orange Cheeto, isn't he? Yo,
2: oh, well, I'm bro, an activist. this isn't a political podcast, my man. Tone it down.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I, I could go on deeper. My, my, Michael. I mean, it's like. And I always have to clear this up just for various reasons, but it's like I'm not like politically right. I'm not a conservative. I'm not even a Republican. Just on the basic, some might call this closed-minded, but just those people's history going back just from day one even to now, their history with people that look like me, just off a general principle, I can't really associate with them. But at the same time, you know liberals and people on the left are, are, are pretty frustrating now and Michael Moore kind of represents that frustration like if I were to put it into one person. Um
2: Yeah he I mean, I definitely doesn't understand how he alienates people when he's trying to win people over to his side.
1: Yeah yeah I just yeah, I don't want anything to do with and like I don't it's like I I don't really want to see any movie that has to do with like Trump or people that voted for Trump or the current po- like I'm living in it right now I, and like I'm not one of those guys I go to movies to escape like not necessarily but in this case I don't want to I don't I, I'm going I'm on vacation I'm seeing movies that I want interesting and what I just I don't want anything to do with the subject matter of this movie or Michael Moore or people like him right now. There's
2: also something that feels kind of sad about him going back because it's called Fahrenheit 11.9 to like yeah. going back to the well of his biggest hit
1: Oh, so you, know? you get it? You get why he called it Fahrenheit. Yeah. Oh,
2: that? There's something that feels a little like <laughs> sad about that. I don't know. Yeah, sure. He feels like he's almost entirely irrelevant at this point to me. It just mm-hmm. feels like everybody's taken all of the worst lessons from his style of filmmaking, and you know they've multiplied and taken over the world. You yeah. know, it's like it's
0: especially funny since there were so many people waging war on him. When Fahrenheit 9/11 came out, and when when Bullying for Columbine came out, you know it was yes yeah. such a, like a concentrated thing against Michael Moore, and he's just sort of you know flittered out, flittered out on his own. You know he yeah. just sort of faded out. his his own relevance is completely faded, and yeah, uh,
2: it's so it weird. Kind of- I mean, sometimes it occurs to me that like, oh wait, I still love Roger and Me. Like that's still an amazing movie. Like I, I sort of almost forget was- that.
0: His TV shows were really good, too. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah. he started as more of, like, a stand-up comedian, you know, who yeah. just happened to be in these dire situations, economical and political situations. So yeah. there, there's a lot of humor in Roger and Me and um, the big one and uh, the TV Nation. And he used to work with Rusty Cundiff and Janine Garofalo, you know, like, yeah. funny people. He was, like, the original Daily Show, more or less. And, uh yeah. Well, he's that's what I mean away when, like, God his style is so much. Just time. not funny anymore, you know? Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. I agree. So none of the three of us will be seeing that? No. <laughs> I, no I doubt it. Okay. I will I, I like go, Marcus's reasons very much. <laughs> I will go, um, my must avoid is a film called The Image Book by Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, what? the legendary Jean-Luc Godard. He is terrible. Here in 2018, I feel like there is a awful fraud being perpetuated, which is that we must take the new Godard movie seriously. I mean, listen to the description of it. The legendary Jean-Luc Godard adds to his influential iconoclastic legacy, with this provocative collage film essay, a vast ontological inquiry in the history of the moving image and a commentary on the contemporary world. And if it's anything like Goodbye to Language, which was also described in that exact same way, his last 20 movies have all been described in that exact same way. If it's anything like those movies, it will be a obnoxious old man dicking around with his dog in the backyard with a video camera is what this movie will be. Godard is clearly, His great films are the best there ever was. I think he is the greatest editor and greatest creator of uh, collision of image and sound in the history of film. But once he decides he's a philosopher, he's he's not good enough his movies become terrible and there's something incredibly irritating about how they keep getting treated seriously when they're not serious movies. They're not good movies. It's him just screwing around with old clips of old movies and digitally washing them out to like that blue yellow thing he loves to do in sort of these rambling, uh, intentionally hard to pin down, intentionally impenetrable, self-servingly pretentious philosophical musings They're bad and, movies there's no worse punishment than seeing a godard movie made in the last 20 years
0: yeah they're joyless slogs absolutely and you can definitely filter out the you know the people you shouldn't be talking to if they praise modern day godard movies
2: yeah especially if they it, it, there might be people who like it or find something interesting in them the people who are like this is the height of cinema and those people exist you know, those are people that it's like, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of my face.
0: At Toronto, I saw my first Manuel de Oliveira film, which was a movie called Eccentricities of a Blonde-Haired Girl. And, you know, everyone it was like, 100-year-old filmmaker, always oh, incredible. And not to make this about ages or anything, but uh, that movie was completely boring. And I did not get anything out of it. And I couldn't believe that people were fawning over this guy and I think it was just because he'd been around so long you know
2: yeah yeah well I think the difference with Godard is that his early movies are great you know Band of Outsiders and and Weekend and basically everything up through Masculine Feminine really is that great so I can understand having a nostalgia and wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt but he's gotten 30 years of being given the benefit of the doubt and his movies are are really empty they're really not good movies you know yeah, Marcus. Yeah, now's your time to defend Lake Goddard?
1: <laughs> no, I want to defend late men, Manuel de Oliveira. I don't. I don't care about Lake Goddard. <laughs> I like eccentricity as a blonde-haired girl. Strange case of Angelica. I like. I like. I like Oliveira's later stuff.
0: I'll have, maybe I'll have to give him a second chance then for you,
1: Marcus. Uh, I mean, you don't have. I, I. no. I mean, it's 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 fine. He's. I, I get it. If someone doesn't like, and he's totally someone. He's another filmmaker that I really like. But I don't announce because all anyone wants to talk about is how old he was and it's that that's all you have to talk about. Then <laughs> Did I don't you
2: know he to. was old? Did you uh, know that though?
1: No I didn't. I, no no one said it all the time.
2: When he made his last three movies he was 144 years old when he made them. True story. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I've heard you guys bring him up on Zebras before so I know you like him but uh, yeah. I don't know that movie was 40 minutes and it felt like five hours and
2: know. he also another thing most people don't know about him he also had a very old dog who would be with him on set that golden retriever was 64 years old it was on and he set. died
0: the same day <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: um but not of a broken heart of eating his body and getting poison because that man was full of poison um john i'm gonna but... i'm gonna bring us all back
0: together with my choice no contest i don't think any of us are fans of colette Kira knightley or the director of still atlas <laughs> <laughs> those are three strikes against this movie i mean colette was a goddamn mime for christ's sake yeah i don't want to see a movie about her <laughs>
2: at all but what if it had uh what Least if it had which, a played by
0: nightly maybe if you got the guy from the wire to be in it i would be less interested but <laughs> Kieran Knightley immediately turns me off of that so won't be seeing colette
2: did that guy do anything other that director other than um uh uh Stilales? Stilales.
0: i'm sure he did um I don't. I would have not followed his career, so all I know is. Yeah. Still, Alice. Let me look him up real quick and see.
2: Yeah. No, the TIFF schedule is full of movies like this because they're trying to get every movie they can that might be interesting or might not. So there's a lot of movies that are like, seem like they should be big, like they star Karen Elliott and have like a kind of name director, you know, and are about you know a uh, uh, a famous you know fucking mine it was what she was most famous for. She was a ghost writer. I don't even like know about Colette and this would be my chance to learn, but there's these movies that seem like they might be something that are really just, you get into them and it's like never in a thousand years would I be able to sit through this movie, you know? No, you're scraping
0: the bottom of the barrel in the biopic department when you get to Colette, I mean, (laughs) as a former, you know, fiction section shelver, I can tell you. Um, this guy actually co directed Still Alice in a movie called Kinson This is, I guess, his first.
1: Oh, I remember Kinson yeah. Oh, I remember, oh, yeah. That, yeah, I, I remember that too. It's a perfect something called
0: the last of Robin Hood, which I don't know what that is.
2: Huh. Oh, Kevin I, Klein movie. <laughs> Kevin Klein, Robin Hood movie. See, yeah, exactly. No,
0: uh, Kevin Klein, Errol Morris movie. Errol, uh, Morris?
2: Uh, Errol Morris.
0: Errol Flynn. Oh, Errol, Errol uh, Klein. Kevin Klein playing Errol Flynn. <laughs> is what that movie is
2: yeah these these feel like uh ashes waiting to be blown away into the wind these movies you're describing
0: so but you know uh wash westmoreland if i've been unkind i apologize next time don't make a colette movie and don't
2: he's getting millions of dollars to make these movies you have (laughs) nothing to apologize to if anything he (laughs) owes us um so any kind of wrap up thoughts one thing i did want to uh, to to give special note to is the midnight madness program this year i feel like is um really strong or at least full of movies that Uh, I'm definitely going to see anyway. It's got the new David Gordon Green Halloween. It's got The Predator from Shane Black. It's got Gaspar Noe's new movie. It's got the new Peter Strickland movie in Fabric. And then it's got some sort of interesting sounding movies that I haven't heard of, like this movie Necrotronics starring Monica Bellucci, and this movie that sounds insane and could easily be awful called Diamantino that's about like a soccer player who goes on a... Psychedelic mind melting journey into like his id and advertising and spirituality. And like, I'm happy. I feel like the last few times we've been to TIFF, the Midnight Madness selections have been uh underwhelming to me in some way yeah, some did you way. mention the Gaspar Noe movie yeah the gasper Noe movie so i feel like six of the eight being really like oh i would i would really definitely i'm going to see four of those and two of them sound interesting i'm, I'm pretty psyched for that
0: and the movie called the wind a plains woman driven mad by the harshness and isolation of the untamed land that could be fun
2: yeah i'm with it <laughs> i feel like they i feel like they got their shtick back I don't I don't know what it is. I feel like Midnight Madness was lacking Gaspar Noé movies. You know what I mean? It just felt like or the Peter Strickland that it just it didn't feel like uh essential cult films in the making. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so
0: Marcus will you be seeing The Guy Madden short?
1: <laughs> oh shit. I didn't I didn't know there's one. Yeah. Oh, well this um that's that oh yes, that's another problem like all the shorts and the wavelengths none of that stuff jibes with like the features I want to see because a peach pong has a new movie but that plays um, actually that plays before I even get there that that plays on like Thursday um, so no i I'm just by default because I looked I, I like checking out the shorts and, and stuff like that but none of them they all conflict with the other stuff I want to see so
2: yeah no. I also feel like tiff is a bad place to see shorts just that format like short film format gets exhausting to see six movies in an hour and a half anyway and then when you're already seeing five other movies that day it's just i I just don't think tiff is a great place to see shorts for the yeah in our schedule in the press and industry schedule i mean
1: right
0: one other movie that i probably will be skipping for the same reason that marcus you know was saying earlier about it's a vacation you really don't want anything too heavy as the uh paul greengrass movie about the uh uh the, uh, the the incident on the island all the the murdering of all the kids in Norway. Right. It's like I probably don't want to sit through that in the middle of the festival. Not to mention that they already had a Norwegian version of that story made earlier this year. But yeah,
2: uh, yeah. God, is that? Do you think Paul Greengrass is just like the hugest fucking bummer in the world to hang out with? Do you think <laughs> like, or do you think he's like? I don't know. I just don't know how you could make those movies and not have your soul really torn apart by it. It's really the biggest bummers. It's hard that's, to say. He makes the born
0: movies too. I mean, you know, yeah, those are
2: that's, fun. True. that's true. <laughs> but, Marcus, any closing thoughts? Anything yeah. you'd like to hit on?
1: Yeah, I um just a general closing thing. I just love going to t- Toronto, might be my favorite place. Um this is always like my one of two big vacations every year. So there's always like a little more riding on it than just like, Oh, I get a week off. It's like a week off of like one doing one of the things I like to do. It's like watch movies a lot. I'm with, you know, two good friends of mine. And then there's also like, after going to TIFF over the years, there's like folks on the Canadian side who I've gotten to know. And I have a couple of, friends over there so it's like it's 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 a really fun time um and like i said before just name wise the the selection's really good and like i i I was saying to myself the older i get you know i can't do the like four to six movies a day but then when i was doing my schedule it's just like oh shit i may have to just kind of drink a lot of coffee. Cause there's a, there are a lot of things that I want to see besides the, you know, the, the, the three movies that, you know, I mentioned. So I'm just, I'm looking forward. My, my Friday, Friday can't come fast enough. I, I'm, I'm taking a flight out of New York. I'll be there Friday night and, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. It's great. You know, we go up there and, and get, uh, John and I drive up every year and listen to a CD of, uh, famous prank calls and celebrity meltdowns. So (laughs) how about it? (laughs) I was not strung out. Um, And it's become a tradition. John and I have been doing this for a very long time now together, and I really loved it. The first year I went, I went by myself and got so depressed being alone and isolated up there. And then John and and another friend of ours came up the next year, and I literally can't imagine doing this without you guys now.
1: Sure thing, exactly. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's part of what makes it for me. And then uh, getting to meet Marty Kessler up there—I know he's going to be in town. Yeah, uh, we're big fans of Martin Kessler, so it'll be fun to compare notes with all uh, three of you guys.
1: Yeah, Car- Carly's going to probably be there too. I—I don't—I've never met her before, but she goes to to Tiff usually. It'd be cool to meet her.
2: Yes, great. I agree. That's, That's one of those people where it's like. I'm aware of her from the internet. I feel like if I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. Like, I don't know her that well. She's somebody nice who's on the internet. It would be nice to meet her. I know you guys know her better.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want my silence to seem like I have some animosity towards the Oh, no, no. That I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe, um, I think we're busy that day. And then John, Johnny Cribs. <laughs> E-A-G-L and then it's football weekend too okay any closing thoughts for us John Uh, no check back in with us
0: uh, when we do a follow-up podcast episode after we've seen these movies and it turns out that I actually saw Colette and thought it was the best fucking thing I've ever seen in my life and I'm a total hypocrite for ever doubting the director of Still Alice is
2: his name Mash Mash Moreland He's we're gonna what? get an angry His name is Wash? wash That's not a name. <laughs> short. It's short for Washington. <laughs> pants. Okay, I do want to also announce we should announce that there are some changes coming to the Pink Smoke podcast. If you're listening to this, you know that this is not a Patreon only episode that the general listening public can listen to it. The Pink Smoke is going to begin doing two podcasts a month. Uh both of them will initially be behind the Patreon paywall. One episode will be about film and the other episode will be about genre fiction. There'll be two a month, one about film, one about genre fiction each month after a certain amount of time. The genre fiction episode will then be released from behind the paywall. Uh, and be able to be heard for easy access for everybody. So Patreon subscribers, you're getting early access to the new episode, and the film episodes will still be behind the paywall. And then everybody else, you can start regularly listening to this podcast, enjoying it so much, and then subscribing our Patreon to support us and get all the other episodes. So we're excited to start doing that. I believe October is when we will start. And we just wanted to make that announcement. That's right. (laughs) John, hit us with the sign-off. Marcus, thanks for coming on and doing this. Coming on, you're the Pink Smoke third, Mike. Anytime. You require guest thanks. You're just here. You're eternal.
0: Couldn't be without Marcus. Have a good time, everybody.